Pastor Jeff would say something, uh, someone would tell him, you know, I don't go for that organized religion stuff. And he says, well, you need to try our church. We're so disorganized, we won't even know it. Uh, but um, So tonight is a, uh, a special meeting of the church. It's an extension of our annual meeting where we'll be talking about uh, should we change the name of the church. And the name that we're um, going to be talking about is Arise Church. Now, whether if we do or not, that's not here or there. Uh, the thing is, though, is um, we are called as believers to arise. Uh, from Genesis, where we see Abraham being called to arise, to go into the land and, and look at it, to all the way into Revel- uh, Revelation, where we're called to arise, right? When we, when we talk about things like the rapture, arise, get out of there, right? Come to me. And so we, we see this throughout Scripture that we are to arise, um, and so whether or not the name changes, that doesn't really matter, right? It's we still have a call as believers on our lives to get up and arise, to move, to do something. Not just to sit back and let the world go its way, but to get up and start doing and moving. And so we're talking about what that calling is. And so last week we started with the understanding that we are to arise to focus. You know, so often we have all these different things where we... we have these these hobby horses, if you want to call them that way, little things that were like, I'm going to stand on this hill, I'm going to die on this hill. And so often those are hills that mean nothing. They're little mole hills. They're not big, important things. And so what are the important things? Is Jesus God? That's an important thing, right? Because he claimed it. He said, I am. And so he says this over and over again. I am. He's claiming to be the deity of creation. Right? And the only one. So is that important? Yes, that's an important thing. How about the color of the carpet? In some places it is. Right? And we see division. But is that what's supposed to happen? No. We're supposed to be all together. We're supposed to arise to the gospel work. And everything that is not the core to the, to the um, Christian belief, to the biblical understanding of the world, it doesn't matter. And so if you have a thought on, man, I, you know, I, I believe this doctrine is true. A litmus test is, is it, is it for salvation? Does it matter for salvation? Because if it doesn't matter for salvation, then the opinion doesn't matter, right? I mean... It's good to have these conversations. It's good to challenge each other. I have an opinion on every single thing that I come in contact with. And you know what? It doesn't matter. If it isn't salvation information, if it's not the salvation word, then... If we saw now we have a problem. Does that make sense? But whether if we say as Quartzite Alliance or we Arise Alliance or Arise Church or um, Buckwheat's hometown, doesn't matter. No, it matters that the call of God. Does that make sense? 
And if we don't get that, then everything else. If we, if we divide on the little stuff, the things that don't matter, then we have an issue, right? Because we're not doing what God has called us to, which is gospel work, and we'll just divide, divide, divide. And I think we're doing a pretty good job on that, right, as a church. So what do we need to do better? Unity. Unity on the gospel work, right? Okay, so that's what we talked about. That. And when we run into people, brothers and sisters, that may hold a different view on us on a particular thing that's not a salvation issue, it's a different thing, bless you. What do we need to do? We need to give grace. Give them grace. Hey, you know what? I always tell people this. If they have an issue with someone else, I go, um, okay, so, man, they, they don't believe this. I don't know why they don't. Okay, my question is, are you a mature believer? And everyone's a mature believer. Everyone answers that question as, oh, yeah, then you need to give them grace. Maybe they're an immature believer. Ever thought about that? Right? If we consider ourselves mature, we better be given grace. But guess what? If, if we're not given grace, what's that say about us? We're immature. Right? Okay, so that's what we talked about in the first week. In the second week, we talked about how w- the church needs to arise to repentance. You know, the thing with salvation is, Without repentance, there is no salvation. First thing out of Jesus' mouth in Mark chapter 1 is, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Right? Those are issues that we should divide on, right? Because repentance is necessary for salvation. That means a recognition of sin and turning away. So we recognize sin, we say, not that, and we go the other way. The other way is God right? It's to Jesus, right? So we need that. So that's what starts salvation. That's what starts the relationship with God. But as believers, repentance is still a part of our lives, right? We're called to repent, except the difference is it's not a salvation issue. It's a relational issue because that, I mean, anytime that you butt heads with someone, I don't know if you've ever done this, you had an argument with someone and you don't like them. So what do you do? You avoid them right? I want to talk to you. I don't like you. We do the same thing with God. But what does repentance do? It fixes the relationship, right? It's not like God's going up up there like, why aren't you talking to me? What's wrong? No, he says, this is wrong, and you need to and and they're a friend they're like a close friend and they go well what about didn't you just yell at a guy and you're like angry at um fred for you know doing this or doing that you know what that just shows them jesus isn't real because if we're if we're saying repent you need to repent and believe in jesus yet we are not living repentful lives all that proves to the people is you don't believe what you say. So practicing repentance, being in a repentant life, you know, recognizing, oh, I did this wrong. I do need to repent. I do need to fix relationship, not just with God, but with people around me. Then that's an example of, hey, you know what? This stuff is real. I live it. 
I'm just not saying it. It's not a monkey see, monkey do type of thing, right? It's not that you do this, or how's that go? Monkey see, not do. Yeah, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, it's not that. It's uh, actually living it out. And so that's what we talked about last week. So it can be an example for the world, not just for us. And this week, what we're going to talk about is holiness. A rise to holiness. Now, a couple months ago, we talked about the fourfold gospel, which are the four pillars that drives the alliance denomination to do ministry. And it, the first one is Christ our Savior. So we got some repentance there, right? Christ our sanctifier is the second one. And this is the holiness. And the reason why we need to arise to holiness is because God is holy. In fact, I would go so far to say that it's his primary attribute. Because in all of the scripture... God talks about his holiness the most. In fact, like we talked about uh, several weeks ago, nowhere in the Bible does God say, I am love. Now, he refers to his love, and the scriptures refer to him as love. But what's interesting is he always says, I am holy. And in Leviticus, this is what he says. So this is where he's bringing his people into his covenant relationship with him. And he says this in Leviticus twenty twenty six. He said, you shall be holy to me, right? You shall be holy to me. He says, for I am the Lord. Am I, for I, the Lord, am holy. I mean, you see that? If you are going to be mine, then you must be holy. Why? Because you're mine, and I am holy. So you must reflect me. That's what he's saying. If you're going to be my people, you're going to be a holy people. And he says, and so, for I, am, for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the people. So he's saying, everyone else, they're not holy. Why? Because they're not my people. They're not mine. But you are. So what are you supposed to be? Holy. Hopefully by the end of this, every answer you'll say is holy. Okay? You get it? And it says, that you should be mine. Right? So if we're going to be God's people, what, where are we? Where are we going to be? Holy. Holy. So I am God. So I am a child of God. I am holy. Why? Because he is holy. I am to be holy. And so Peter, I love Peter. Peter's that guy who always gets his foot stuck in his mouth, right? He always says something really good and then follows up with something really dumb. You ever seen someone like that? Yeah, you see it every Sunday because I'm standing right here, Okay. So, yeah, we're not going to say that, but, yeah, we all agree, okay? There's the clap, right? No. Um, but Peter is one of those guys that he, he says, I just love Peter because he, you know, he doesn't seem to get it. He doesn't seem to get it. And doesn't seem, and then we start seeing his growth, right? Just love him. And so when we get to First Peter, where he's writing to the church, he goes back to the Old Testament. And he says, but as he who called you, so he's talking about God, as he who called you is holy, right? This is who God is. He is holy. He has called you. You also be holy in all your conduct, right? Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Okay, so what are, what are we supposed to be as the people of God? We are to be holy, right? Why? Because God is holy, right? That is who we are supposed to be. So I would say that we are, that is his primary attribute because he is holy and from there everything stems. So if he's holy, that means there, that in him is truth. So unholiness would be lying, right? So 
in him is he, he's a lover, right? He loves people. Okay, so what's the opposite of that? Hate, right? It's driving down the road. Guy cuts you off. You go, man, I would just love to run over him, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amen. You know, it's like, but you know what? That, that's, that's unholiness, right? That's unrighteousness. And we call that, Scripture calls that sin, right? So that is not of God. Right. So we have this. So but this is who God is. And so when I go, what is holiness? Well, who is God? Right. That's what it is. So if I want to know what holiness is, I have to know who God is. And that's the purpose of Scripture. Right. And we'll get more into that. So as we're going through, though, I mean, I want to I want to share with you from Romans six. And I'm just going to read through the whole chapter. You can follow along or in your Bibles. Um, but I want to read to this because in Romans 6, it's a pleading. Like, when I read this, I hear Paul just pleading. Have you ever pleaded with someone? Don't go and do that. Yeah. Right? Don't be dumb. Yeah. Right? Do this. This is better for you. Like, you plead for them. I want you to hear the pleading from Paul. All right? So this is Romans 6. I'm going to read the whole thing. So I'm going to stumble over it. I'm going to do it because I there's so much I think so much passion in this in this chapter. All right, here it goes. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus was were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. But if we have been un- united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body... Did in God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to, to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to light, and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are. We, We are not under the law, but under grace. By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you, who were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and have been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now your member, uh, present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to 
sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness, but what fruit were you getting at the, at the time, at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you hear him like saying, why go back to sin? Like you are brought out of that. Sin, leave it behind. And what are we to do? We're to go to holiness, the sanctification, to be brought back to God. And what's crazy here is as he's going through, he uses this slave imagery of how you were once a slave to sin. Now, basically, go after holiness so hard, so much, that now you are a slave to holiness. So in other words, I, if I want to be known by people as one thing, and they would go, man, you're just one of those holy people. You're just always trying to, you know, trying to seek God. You're always trying to do better. You're always trying to love people more. Man, that's a bad thing, right? No, that's something we should want. Yeah, I'm a slave to sin. Uh, to, uh, I don't want to be a slave to sin. I want to be a slave to righteousness, right? But too often I am a slave to sin. But the difference is, is sin has no power. Right? I give sin the power. It has no right to me. It has no control over me. But too often I do. A guy cuts me off. Jerk. I hope you run off the road. You know, it's like just that that venom, that giving sin power where it has no power. So years ago, I had this um, this dream, and it's vivid vivid in my mind, right? And it was I. You, you guys know what track homes are, okay? Ugly homes. That's what I always say. Um, did a lot of sheetrock in ugly homes, and um, so but they're just built real big. Um, you know, they're, I think they're ugly anyways. Um, but in the dream had this house and it was a track house and it was one of those flat houses, you know, where the, the garage just sunk into the house and it had this, and it was on one of those manicured streets and everything, sun out, you know, very bright, beautiful day, probably spring day, you know, had grass. So, you know, it wasn't quartzite. Um, <laughs> and then it had this, it had this, um, this driveway that swooped down into the the road and then you had this blacktop road right and in in the dream i'm i'm staying there and the garage door is open i'm sweeping it out i don't remember if anything's in the garage but i'm just sweeping it out and everything's clean everything's manicured everything looks good right and there's this snake and it starts coming up and i take the broom and i start playing with it and as soon as I start playing with it, I wake up. And, and the moment I wake up, God sp- says, that's what you're doing. You're playing with sin. And I still just as, I mean, it's burned into my mind, this dream. Because I'm like, you're right, God. I play with sin. I might look good, right? This was years ago. I might look good. Everything looks good. Everything's manicured. Everything's swept up. But man, I still play with it. 
And he's like, stop playing with the snake. And so this understanding of we seek holiness. Why? Because God is holy. We are to be a holy people. Because God is holy. And so we're not slaves to sin. We are slaves to righteousness. Don't give sin any more power. Because it has no power. If you accept Jesus as your Savior, sin has no power. Except what you give it. Okay? So this is so important. And so our my prayer for myself, and I would encourage you, is to have a prayer like this, is that I would be made holy, more holy today than I was yesterday. And that tomorrow, I would be made more holy than I was today. And so when I get up, I go, Lord, just, I want to be more holy today. Would you make me more holy? Like, that is my prayer. And then when I go to bed, and I've had whatever day I've had, I might have to repent of some things. Lord, uh, you know, I did this. That, that guy that cut me off, I, I held anger towards him. Lord, I need to repent of that. You know, but Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you for your work. And Lord, tomorrow I, I can't wait to see you working in me. Make me more holy, Lord. And so that's, that's my prayer. And that should be our, like, something like that. Lord, I want to be more holy. Why? Because you are holy. And I'm your person. I'm, I'm one of your people. So I want what you want. What do you want? You want me to be holy? I, that's what I want. I want what my God wants. What my Savior wants. And so we got to do that. Because then two chapters later, listen to what Paul says in Romans 8.29. Romans 8.29, Paul says this. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Right? So this is God's plan. And what's God's plan? To be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many believers. God's intention is to have us be individuals who look like Christ. We're supposed to be images of that. And so, you know, we have things like, little sayings like, WWJD, what would Jesus do? You know what that really is saying? How is Jesus holy? Because that's what I want to be. Like, that's what it's saying. I want to be holy as Jesus is holy. How did he be holy? And so what do I need to do to figure that out? I need to go... And he opened my Bible. Jesus, how did you deal with this? To the woman that was brought into, to him in adultery, how did you respond? There was grace. To Nicodemus, having this deep conversation about, about life, how did Jesus handle that? How did Jesus handle these things? This is where today is Palm Sunday, right? Jesus rides into Jerusalem. In triumph, right? He goes to the temple, what does he do? Flips over tables. So even flipping over tables, like, Jesus, how do you flip over tables? I want that. I want to flip over some tables. That might be figuratively. Might be some actual tables that need to be flipped over. I mean, don't, so don't ever think that getting tables flipping over is past Jesus. But it's done in what? In holiness. Why? Because the temple, the place that was supposed to be holy, was a den of thieves. It wasn't a holy place. And so Jesus, God come down in his righteousness, says, get out. If Jesus walked in the door, would he flip over us? Because we are not seeking his holiness. I mean, think about that. If Jesus walked in, would he come to the table of your life and just get out? I want holiness. Why? Because my God is holy. And I'm his 
part of it is his people, and I want to be holy. Right? So this understanding of the holiness is huge. Right? And so we need to seek after Jesus. Jesus is the standard by which holiness is. And so when he goes to, in, in Matthew, when he comes up to the, the disciples who are not disciples yet on the, on, the, um, on the beach, what does he say to them? Come and follow me, right? Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. There's two parts to that. Follow me, which is what? Come into my holiness. Follow. Follow who? God. Jesus, the Holy One, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You will have purpose and a job, and I will commission you. And guess what? You can't do that without following Jesus. Why? Because if you're just on your own, doing your own righteousness, doing your own things, what's happening? You're going to fail, you're going to falter, and people are going to look at you and go, there's nothing here. This is just fake. This isn't real. That's why repentance is such a big deal. So we can say, no, I might falter, but my God is still good. He has covered all my sin. And I repent, not because of salvation issue now, but because I want him to be everything to me. So it's seeking after holiness. That's what repentance is. It's seeking after holiness. So how is this done, right? This is the next thing. How's it done? Do we just got to get better? Just got to clean up your mouth. You just got to, you know, stop smoking. You just got it. You just got it. You just got it. No, it's God's work, right? So in Ephesians, we get to Ephesians 5, verse 25, starting verse 25. Paul's talking about husbands and wives, and he says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is sacrificial loving, right? Sacrificial living. This is, I have people come in for marriage counseling and premarital counseling, and I ask them, um, how much should you give to your marriage? You know what usually the response is? 50%. I give 50, they give 50, that's 100, right? I go, no, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches you you give 100%, and you expect, guess how much? Zero. You don't expect anything, because that's not sacrificial love to expect something back. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do we have anything to give him? No, but he sacrificed himself while we were the furthest away from God. That's real love. That's because it comes from a holy God, a perfect God. And so he goes, he gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her. The purpose of that sacrifice is sanctification, is holiness, okay? having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. It's so important. It's so important to be in our word, right? It, be in the word of God, to go there, to actually read it, not just to get your fill up on Sunday morning. If this is all you're doing, you're not going to be walking in holiness that, that often. You're going to get a little bit. You're going to get, okay, I'm ready to go. Okay, I know I got to live in holiness. You're going to get on Monday. Oh, it's feeling good, feeling good. Tuesday, oh, oh man, it's getting hard. Wednesday comes around. Why don't I feel God? And then we drag through the rest of the week, and we get to Sunday. And it's like, oh, okay, I'm back up. And we get in this cycle of thinking that's, what, that's how I'm supposed to do it. And the reality is no. Daily in the Word. It's more important than getting a sermon once a week. If you're not in that, 
You're not going to be moving towards holiness. And the thing is, is it's interesting because so often we get um, pastors get into this. Teachers of God's word get into this. And if you've ever taught anything, you know that when you teach something, you learn a lot more than the people you taught, right? And so you're learning a whole bunch, and, but you can only give so much because they're learning, and they're learning at a different pace. And for pastors, it's the same thing. We're in the Word, and so our, usually it should be, we should be going, right? And too often it feels like the, the people we're serving are here. They're not going with us. But the reality is, all of us should be doing this. Why? Because all of us should be in the Word. All this is, is an encouragement to go and do. Right? Whether that is holy living, whether that is repenting, whether that be gospel work, this is just to get you guys focused on what matters. So that the other things are put to the side and we go, what does God want for me at least this week? So if you just take the, the verses we use this week and just go through them, you're going to grow exponentially because you're going to be seeking holiness. Does that make sense? And so Paul ends with this, so that he might present the church to, in splendor, to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. You know, that's, that's God's desire. His people to be holy, because why? He is holy. Okay? So, but you know, the thing is, is, how, how's the church doing? Doing okay in this? Well, just this week, there's a guy over at a college back east um, that was arrested because a uh, college professor, Christian college professor, was arrested because he was sexually abusing his adopted children. Same thing this week. Um, there's a church, again, uh, back east, um, I can tell you the exact one. We don't need it. It's Apex School of Theology. Um, five people of the church were arrested for fraud because they were taking money from the school and using it from themselves. How's, how's the church doing? Because when a non-believer sees that, you know what they say? See? Hypocrite. See? It's false. It's not real. It's a fairy tale. This is why holiness is such so important. Because when we don't seek holiness, it's the perfect example for someone to say, see, it's not real. But that's why repentance is so important with it. Because when we do falter and someone says, well, what's, what's with that? And you go, you know what, you're right. I need to repent. This is why my God's so good. Because no matter times how I mess up, he's already saved me. All of my sins have been cleansed. But you know what? He still calls me to holy, holiness in daily living. And so when I mess up, I repent. And so this understanding that that's what we need to be doing is seeking God. And we're not, it's, it's for our relationship and as an example to the world. You realize that gospel work starts right here. Like it starts with us. Because if we start sharing the gospel, we're like, hey, you know what? You need to repent because Jesus uh, wants to save you from your sins. 
and someone goes, how's he doing with you? Right? Because they see the anger. They see the, the hatred. They see all the things that you're saying you need to repent of. And if it's just in their face, right, they're going to say, well, what about you? So if we're not repenting, if we're not seeking holiness, they're right. It's not real to us. It's real. God is real. But to us, might as well be walking around as an atheist. Because we're not living it as if it was real. But here's the thing. Once you cross that barrier of, I'm going to start seeking holiness. Once you cross that barrier, you start seeking holiness. You know what's going to happen? The world's going to get upset. It's just natural. Why? Because the world is in darkness. I don't know if you've ever done this. You ever walk through a building and you're just kind of stumbling through, hitting things, right? So I, in this building, so when it's really dark, I can walk through this building no problem. Like, I, can wa- I don't need a light. I can just walk through. In fact, it's so, like, I'm so into it that if someone follows me, I forget to turn on lights. And I start walking, and they start running into things. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. You don't know what to go in, right? But you ever turn on the light when you've been in darkness for a while? Right? Like, you're asleep, and someone turns on the light. You know what the reaction is, right? You take the pillow, you throw it at them. Right? Knock it off. So this morning I was walking. Um, so we don't have a shower in our, in our bathroom. Someone has to put it in. Um, I, my wife hasn't got to it yet. Um, and so there's no shower in our, bedroom, in our bathroom. And so we have to go to the back bathroom to use the shower. So every, you know, when I get up and it's still dark out, what I do is I turn on, I bring my phone, I turn on the flashlight. I start walking through because we, we're living in construction right now. So everything's constantly changing. It's not like here where everything's set, okay? So I run into things. So I, I go, I close the door to our bedroom. I turn on the light. You know what's in front of me? The cat. <laughs> the cat is, you know, maybe I should have kept the light off and just kept walking, you know, boom. Um, no, just kidding. Um, all the dog people are like, yes. All the cat people are like, boo. Um, but so I turn on the light, and the cat's sitting there. You know what his reaction is? What the heck? <laughs> like, he's like, what is wrong with you? Can't you see in the dark like a normal person? <laughs> you know? And so, but that's, that's what happens when you start living a holy life. No one that's in darkness wants to see that. It's hard. It's, it's, the default is <clears throat> wincing away. And so... You're going to be called a bigot. You're going to be called a homophobe or fill-in-the-blank phobe. You're going to be called these things because seeking after God means, you know what? You're away from the world. It's just what's going to happen. So the question is, is what are, what's our response? If we're seeking holiness, what's our response? Let's start with John. So John 15. John 15, Jesus is talking to disciples. You might have heard this. If the world hates you, know that it first has hated me before it hated you. Why? Why did the world hate Jesus? I mean, he talked about love. He was a nice guy. Brought people food and everything. But what was his first words? Repent. Why? Because he was calling people to holiness. And the people that 
wanted their own power, wanted their own way, wanted their own little kingdom, said, you know what, no. And they drew back from him. That's why they held it at night. Because the night was better for them than the light. And so he says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. If you embrace the things that are going on in the world right now, I mean, just with our youth, with the transgenderism, if you embrace that, you're going to get promoted. You're going to get um, things online. If you go online, you're going to be trendy. You're going to get these things, the worldly things. Why? Because the world's going to embrace you. But if you seek holiness, it's going to say no. You're going to get banned. You're going to get kicked off platforms. Speech is going to be censored. That's what's going to happen. Why? Because the default is reject holiness. And if we're honest with, these, with ourselves, that's what I would do. Before Christ, that's what I did. I was in... Um, I was sent to a, a Seventh-day Adventist school in my sophomore year, and they had Bible, a Bible class. I wasn't a believer, and so I would just rip into them. And I like to debate. I like to just argue. It doesn't matter what I'm arguing. I don't care. I'll t- whatever your position is, I'll take the other one, and I'll just eviscerate you, you know, because that's who I was. And if I'm not careful, if I give sin power, that's who I am. But that's not who I am. Why? Because God has called me into holiness. But at that time, that's what I would do. Why? Because I didn't care about the Bible. I didn't care about Jesus. It's just, when you're in sin, you reject it. But, but I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. You can't have it both ways. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will also persecute you. So that's the first thing. You've got to be prepared. If you want to seek holiness, if you want to see God and his holiness, guess what? You are going to be separate from the world. And it doesn't matter how much you say, I love you, I care for you. There's going to be always that, that separation. Always. Now, you better be saying, I love you and I care for you. Right, because that's who God is, and I want to seek Him in His holiness. He is, He's love, so I need love, right? So, what does Jesus do? We go back to that. Who's our example? Jesus. So, what does He say? So, this comes from Luke twenty-three, verse thirty-four. Okay, Luke Luke twenty-three, verse thirty-four. It says He's up on the cross, and people are doing all of their thing. And what does He say? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. You realize that? Jesus, on the cross, the holy God, looks down. These people are just doing their ant thing, doing their sin thing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Why? Because they don't. When you're in complete darkness, that's all you know. You have no concept of the light. And so what, it, what needs to happen? Light needs to come. That's where we live out our lives in front of the world. Jesus says, let your light shine. 
that all men may see. That's why he calls us to be light and salt. Right? He calls us to do these things, to plant seeds, to be in the world, but not of the world. We're not supposed to be hermits. We're not supposed to be monks. We're supposed to be in the world, but we seek the Holy God because we're separate from it. And when we encounter this resistance, which we will, it's, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't realize your deep love for them. While we were yet sinners, you died for us, Jesus. They don't realize the depth at which they're in. So, Lord, let this light be for them. Our heart needs to break as God's heart breaks for them. And so we need to be doing this. So we should always be seeking the good of people, right? Love those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And sharing the gospel because the good, their goodness only comes from salvation. How are they going to experience true goodness? It's by knowing Jesus. And so if I want, you know, we, we say this again and again. We are not here to fix the Titanic. It's going down. We're here to get people onto lifeboats. To get them on there. That's what our thing is. So we do good in the name of Jesus. Everything we do, we point back. So these four things that are pillars of our ministry here, loved by God who sacrifices himself, lifting him up in worship, right? Living lives of worship, locating and meeting the needs among us, right? That's what we're called to do. We're still called to do that. We're still giving water. We're still giving bread. We're still giving time. But what is the last pillar? Point others to his life. We point people back to Jesus. Why do you do this? Because of Jesus. Because he loves you and gave himself up for you. That you might know him in his holiness. You might spend eternity with the God who created you and loved you. That's what we do in everything. And so, we, that's what we need to be seeking people's good. And the good comes from gospel living comes from the message and the life that follows. And so my challenge for you today is this. Is that back there, when you came in, you might have seen some stuff and wandered. I saw a couple of people going, what's going on today? What weird thing are we going to do this time? And so we're going to take communion. But this is my challenge. So in the middle is the communion elements, the, the bread and the cup. On the sides... You'll, if you saw them, there's two pitchers of water and then a, a bowl. My challenge for you is this. We're called to, to holiness through what? The washing of the word, right? Okay, so this represents, it's a symbol. It has no power. It's not what cleanses you, but it's a symbol of what God wants to do, which is to wash you by the word for holiness, okay? We're good? My challenge for you, before you go to the communion table, and you're going to do this on your own, okay, is to go to the pitcher, get in a line, right, and the person behind you is going to pour some water over your hands, and you're just going to wash your hands, and then dry them, and then move on to the communion table with the prayer of, 
as you're washing your hands, Lord, make me holy as you are holy. And then go to the communion table, which is where the sacrifice occurs, right? Jesus says, and we have the verses. So read the verses. So read the verse, take the element. Then read the next verse, take the element. Come back to your seat and just spend some time with God. Take the element when you're ready. Take the bread, take the drink. All right? Lord, I want to be holy as you are holy, and I come to the table where your holiness was shown on the cross. So, yeah, the worship team can come on up. I want to pray for you, and then it's on you. There's two. Just go to one, and then to the center, and then come back to your chair. All right? I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. You're good, and you are gracious towards us. While we don't deserve any of it, you still do it because you love us. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for being the sacrifice. A holy God, sacrifice for the unholy, is just mind-blowing. It's just amazing, Lord, that you do these things for us even though we don't deserve it. Holy Spirit, thank you for moving in our lives. Thank you for indwelling God's people to do the work that he has called us to do. You are making us holy unto the Son and unto the Father. Just thank you. Lord, as we're coming in communion, as we're seeking your holiness, Lord, move in us that we may be your holy people, light to the world around us, that they may know you and they may turn from darkness and seek holiness. And so, Lord, we just praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you.